It's a radical thing in today's culture for a young man to reject what the culture tells him will make him happy in favor of what God is showing him will truly make him happy. These are the honest conversations of the men discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of Nashville, seminarians learning what it means to follow Christ's call. You're going to have to interact with the people and you're going to have to knock on their door and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? Everything's going on. Dealing with the challenges. Sometimes I was like, boy, I wish I would have paid more attention in that class. <laughs> I'd be able to answer this question a little bit better. Let me get back to you. Finding the beauty. At least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers. We have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. This is the Nash Vocations Podcast. Adapted for Nashville Catholic Radio. Uh, how you doing? My name is Justin Farr, and we can go around the table and uh, just introduce ourselves. I'm Anthony Romeo. I'm a third theology uh, seminarian for the Diocese of Nashville. And I'm Christian Hamrick. I'm a fourth-year collegian for the Diocese of Nashville. I'm Father Austin Gilstrap. I'm the director of vocations for the Diocese of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Getting into like some kind of practical areas of like... Uh, of seminary life in regards to leadership. You know, we are priests in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So we are practicing the priesthood of God himself. And that's exactly what Christ does on the cross, that we spend and consume ourselves for souls. So if I'm looking at a young man, any of you who are thinking about the priesthood, that's one of the things I'm looking for. Is this young man willing to give his life for a stranger, to spend and consume himself for souls. Uh, what are some examples of some roles a seminarian or, or is going to be able to take in order to practice leadership? Got to show that external stuff we're looking for as formators. Like, you need to be able to show your formators that you can do the thing. And so we have to offer opportunities for you to show us yeah. essentially how to do the thing yeah, or are, that you can do the thing. Yeah, what <laughs> right. are some of those opportunities? Like yeah. One, yeah. one opportunity is like uh, uh, being in a parish or like or leading some type of ministry or something like that. What are some of these opportunities that a seminarian has to ha, has in order to practice this leadership? Yeah. Well, why don't, you, why don't I let you guys talk about the things and then I'll tell you what we're looking for when you do the thing. Oh, and, and, and we'll see if we actually have gotten there or not here on the podcast. So one of the examples that I had the opportunity at Notre Dame uh, actually the past two or three years, maybe when I first got there, was they needed somebody to be able to help run the development office down there and be able to raise money for the different ministries that we were able you know, that we were offering. And so, um, you know, I kind of sat down with my team and thought, what's the best way to reach out to these donors? How do we get more money? And, and, and sort of I had people under me and be like, okay, what can we, what can we do? What's the best media? How, how do we get this message out there? Um, and then to kind of pull the trigger on it. And so I had a lot of opportunities to say yes to things, to say no to things, to, to talk about different things. And, and that was a, a great way to, I think, kind of help form a skill set that I'll certainly need as a priest because, you know, like it or not, we're going to have to be raising money for our parish. Um, now, this worked out very well for me just because my former life as a salesman, you know, um, one of the things they asked me when I was uh, – applying for the job for their promotion or whatever. 
be like, hey, why do you want to do this? And I said, I looked at them and I said, because I want to make a lot of money. Now that's, uh, you know, that's corporate life. That's my former life or whatnot. But that there is something about, you know, and, and maybe this is something that you guys are looking for, but a man who's able to be like, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Right. And just to kind of be firm in that. I think that sometimes with leadership, um, you know, sometimes maybe in, in the negative sense, it's you get this image of, you know, this alpha male, alpha male guy who's like cracking the whip all the time. And it's not it's not that. But to be able to be comfortable with who you are so much so that you can lead others and be a follower too to sort of get something done. And so mm-hmm. an opportunity for, for me at Notre Dame was sort of the development office raising money aspect of things. Yeah, and so <laughs> I, I was just chuckling because uh, Anthony, you kind of stole my thunder in the sense of I kind of did the exact same thing uh, this last year. Uh, so at Holy Trinity, it's called the advancement office. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was the head of the advancement team. And so it was me and uh, two other seminarians. And uh, I can just sort of speak to specifically um, in like exercising leadership there and um if I can return to sort of the self-knowledge, because that's been a common theme for me, uh, has been that, so for instance, with our advancement team this year and with COVID and everything, of course, COVID changed everything. So we had our, uh, we still needed to have our annual um, Spes Gregis, uh fundraiser, but we couldn't realistically do uh, a large gala dinner like we would do in a big hotel ballroom and things. And so um what we decided to do was a combination between a virtual event pre-recorded and uh, a live event. But over the uh, course of the planning period and things like that, it became evident that we were really going to have sort of two separate events going on. We were going to have a a small in-person event for um, some of our major donors and things. But then in the very same room, Um, we were going to have going on the live portion of our uh, program that was being broadcast. And so it became a major challenge for how are we going to be able to juggle these two, really two events going on simultaneously and it's something we never done before. So we had to kind of build it from the ground up. Um, But one of my challenges personally has always been um, delegating and being able to give tasks to others. Um, and so that was something that I really had to be able to um, learn and sort of step up to the plate for was to be able to say, I'm going to give this task to you because you're really good at it. Like, for instance, we had a guy on the advancement team who is a computer whiz and knows all about audio and cameras and things like that. So it was like, perfect. You can be the one to sort of run the whole live stream that evening. And it worked out really well because he had those skill sets and um, in my sort of leadership position, I was able to say, you're going to be far better at this than I will. And I would not only would it end up badly for me, but end up badly for the live stream if I tried to sort of do this all myself. Um, so that was sort of a concrete way in which it was saying you have this particular skill set and it would be better for everyone and for you um, if we gave you this particular role. And I did the same thing. Um, when I was head of the sacristans at the same institution at Holy Trinity, um, in the beginning, I tended to sort of try and do everything myself, but I had to learn um, over the course of that time, and it was a great learning experience, 
that I had to be able to delegate and say, oh, this particular person would be good at this job or this person would be good at this particular task or whatever. So for me, that was always a big um, thing that I was able to learn from those experiences was um, the delegating and help like knowing people's skill sets and my own strengths and weaknesses and things like that. Yeah. And, 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 and very quickly, you touched on a very probably understated aspect of leadership. Leadership is also knowing areas, knowing how to uh, allow, knowing, I'm trying to phrase this the right way, but it's like knowing in the, in the ways in which other people can take the lead as well in the grand scheme of things as well. But, all right, now's the test. Let's see if Father Gilstrap was satisfied with those with those answers. Well, I think because what we do obviously is looking in a sense deeper probably than than you think we do um, in circumstances like this. Y'all are both talking about two experiences that are similar that are both um, they're both skill building, right? You're looking at these and in, in thinking exactly what Anthony said. I'm going to need to learn how to raise money. So this is a good opportunity for me to raise money or for me to figure out how to do that and learn from professionals and all those sorts of things. And even Christian, what you're talking about is similar to that too. And, and I appreciate the skills, right? That y'all are learning where I see leadership in both of those circumstances is kind of two different places. One is that you're willing to imagine a world where you need those skills right? So you're anticipating, um, you're anticipating after seminary, after ordination, you're anticipating how you're going to need to lead. And because you're anticipating that, that's kind of this background of, of leadership as well, that you're preparing in seminary to be leaders and practicing and kind of working at and working some of the kinks out and using the, the experts around you in a sense, right? So you're trying to prepare to be leaders. So I would certainly look at that and see that as a type of leadership or a preparation for leadership. But the other thing that I think leadership fundamentally um, has as a part of its essence is is sacrifice. Because what you all, neither one of you said, but anybody who's ever run anything like what you're talking about knows, is that that takes a great deal of time. And it's not anything you're getting graded for. It's not anything that you're getting. I mean, you may get a pat on the back and, hey, good job. But it's being a part of uh, a team in order to do a greater thing. And really, when we're talking about leadership at all or servant leadership specifically. A leader, unlike a manager, a leader sacrifices for his people, right? He takes the bullet. He stands in front of the wolf. He does the thing, right? Whatever it is, he's the first one, you know, who stands out and, and, um, you know, kind of, uh, takes whatever the threat is. Um, and so even though y'all weren't doing anything necessarily that was life threatening, you sacrifice time, you sacrificed energy, you know, and I'll tell you as a priest who has, you know, four or five different jobs, the most valuable thing I have really is time, you know? And so, um, to start that practice and to be able to say, no, this, this thing that I'm doing this, you know, it's not just about raising money. It's about supporting the seminary, supporting my brothers, supporting the the school, supporting the Bishop, supporting, you know, this activity I'm willing to give of myself. Right. And, and you're able, whether you know it or not, you know, you're, you're able to draw those lines. I think that's, that's what we're looking for when we're, when we're looking at seminarians and those leadership opportunities in the circumstances that you're in, 
are you willing to give of yourself, right? That's leadership, um, or it's a part of leadership. Um, the things that I think you're probably not thinking about have to do more with like little things too. You know, the, the guy who comes into your room who's having some sort of crisis and you're trying to write a paper, but you drop everything and you let him, you know, talk or take him out for a cup of coffee or, you know, we've all had those experiences. That's a type of leadership too. And again, what's the characteristic that's similar to both of those things? Sacrifice. You're choosing to kind of give of yourself so that this other person can, to use your term, to, so that this person can flourish, right? Mm-hmm. And just to p- piggyback on that, Father, what you alluded to, um, you know, for me personally, I'm on this great precipice of diaconate and priesthood. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, God's calling me to be a priest, and how can I be the best priest possible? And so all these different tools, all these different sets. But also, too, I wanted to kind of highlight um, yeah, definitely about sacrifice um, all, you know, throughout the day uh, in seminary, just a normal day of seminary. Sometimes you're trying to go towards a goal and, and you don't have all the pieces, right, but to still make it happen. And I think that that is something that, uh, that I've kind of learned here recently. But as a priest, you know, you're going to have to figure out um, sort of, how to make something happen with it being a sacrificial thing too, because it's like, okay, I I need to be doing, I I might need to be doing something else right now, but this person needs to talk to me. But really just priesthood is, is about being able to give of yourself. It's, it's, it's not your priesthood. It's not my priesthood. It's the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And so how can I sort of mold myself to be that all things to all people? Yeah, and I think a huge part of that, and Father Gilstrap, you mentioned earlier the importance of prudence as a virtue, uh, and I think uh, that that's sort of what you were just talking about. Those two things sort of came up uh, for me was uh, being able to exercise prudence. Uh, I think about uh, when I was first ahead sacristan and we had some event where we needed lots of hand- handheld candles, and this was in the beginning. And so the night before, I was up until <laughs> like 11.45 putting these silly little handheld candles in these little paper holders, and I did like 80 of them, and it took me about an hour or something like that because I had to find them all and everything. Uh, but if I had known then, if I had had the developed prudence to be able to say, I have a team that can help me do this, uh, it would have gotten done like that yeah. very quickly. Um, and then on the humility front and going along with prudence, it's, uh, I had this experience sort of this year of having lots of people come by my room and ask for help and things. And, um, and I think this is one thing we can run into is we often want to be sort of the saviors of people. Um, and we have to have that humility to know, well, first off, I'm not their savior. Jesus is, and then also being able to say, I'm really sorry you're having this issue and I'll pray for you and be there for you. But I think, and I think this happens with priests a lot too, is um, is I think you should see, for instance, a professional counselor about this. Um, say, being able to say, I don't have the skill sets maybe to be able to, uh, to help you in the best way possible. Again, I'll help you in any way that I can, but being able to say, uh, that 
you might best be helped by somebody else and I can help you um, get in contact with them and things like that. And being able to make a prudential judgment about that of does this person need um, more help? Do they need to see a professional counselor, uh, for instance? Um, but those are two things that I think oftentimes go, go together is we have to have the humility. Um, and then we also have to have the prudence to be able to uh, say, am I sort of the best person to be able to, to help this person in this, in this moment? Or uh, could I call on others to help me with this particular task or something like that? Well, yeah, I would I would reiterate that and just say that it's you are the right person to help them. It's just how is it that you can help them? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not a professional, you know, psychologist and that's what they need, then maybe the way you help them and the way you you're their father, you're their shepherd, you're their leader, you are helping them by making sure, hey, I'm going to be with you. You know, I'll take you if you need me to, right? Or or whatever it happens to be. You you're looking at that and saying, I definitely want to help you though. You know, but I may not be the one that actually is the counselor, right, right. in that particular circumstance, because <laughs> I think you're right about that, too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. And so, like, um, I think we've covered some very good ground here. And I think when I ask this one last kind of question is uh, before we wrap up. And, and that's and this question has to do with, like, the the, well, the inevitability that we all face in seminary, in which a man, <coughs> like, in which a man um, comes to seminary and he uh, exits seminary one way or the other, whether he exits and he goes to become a priest, and that's God's will, or he exits and he goes into another vocation. <coughs> Um, and God willing on that vocation. And when, and let's talk about the part in which he doesn't end up to be a priest. What, and, and he leaves seminary. The question I'm going to ask in regards to that is, how did, if, if, the, if we know, if the goal of seminary is to form men to be leaders of the church, be a church leader, be a minister. And what what about the guys who don't make it that way? In what way does seminary prepare a man who doesn't make it all the way to be a priest, but is to be a leader in the church in a different way? How does seminary help form all men to be leaders in the church in some capacity, even if that form of leadership may not be in the ranks of the clergy. Yeah, it's similar to what I said before. It's the, it's the fact that um, that all all men, all people, are you know at some level called to be leaders, right? It may be that God isn't giving that particular man the gifts and charisms to be able to sacrifice himself for the for the stranger, for the world, in a sense. And so, therefore, he determines that that this isn't what God is calling him to for that or maybe other reasons as well. But seminary still is going to help him get to the point where he can be a good leader for his family, a good leader in the church, a good leader, you know, kind of in society. Um, and we see that with a lot of our former seminarians who discerned well, leave seminary, go out into the world, you know, and become wonderful, wonderful 
Catholics, right? Raising wonderful families. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, but it's because they have that, um, that kind of base background information that helps them to be sacrificial in a, in a way that society does not prepare them for. I think that's the, the kind of main crux of the issue right now is that society doesn't prepare the average guy, the average man walking down the street to give his life away. And that's what a leader fundamentally has to do. Yeah. In fact, it's the, it's the opposite. Sorry. Uh, it's the opposite, really. You know, society tells you that it's your own happiness that's sort of primary. And this idea of sacrifice is so foreign. But ultimately, kind of what you were saying, Justin, no matter what happens, a man's going to have to give himself completely to either, you know, uh, the parish, you know, to the world, to the stranger, or to his wife and to his family, right? And so to be a man, you're going to have to give completely who you are. And so that firm foundation that seminary provides um, with your prayer life, with with all these other different things, I think goes with you outside of seminary. In fact, I can speak to, to that as somebody who took some time off from seminary. I I constantly looked back on my experience at the Josephinum when I was in corporate America, when I was dating, whatever it was that I was doing, and I thought to myself, okay, um, you know, that sort of checklist, okay, how is my prayer life doing? You know, how am I giving myself to these situations? Am I being the man ultimately that God wants me to be? Not not the man that I want to be, but because it's 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 this is his world, right? And 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 uh, to, to enter into a vocation, right, is a gift from God. And so am I man enough at this point to to be able to enter into that? Yeah, and I think um, to kind of, if you allow me to return to that rubric of sort of self-knowledge, self-possession, self-gift, and I thought, uh, Father, you had a really excellent insight there about the, <laughs> the difference between what the world is sort of telling you and uh, Romy, you touched on this a little bit too, versus um, what we're really called towards. And uh, looking at the end, self-gift, nowhere is the world telling you, oh, yes, the end of your life is the authentic gift of yourself. <laughs> the world is never telling you that. It is always, uh, uh, what can I get out of this? Or um, what can I personally achieve? Or even just not on a sort of individual level, but it's at least like what is the sort of greatest amount of benefit for the uh, greatest number of people on a sort of like cost-benefit analysis type thing, but not really giving of yourself, not really leading to flourishing is just sort of what's the maximum amount of pleasure or temporal goods that I can get out of this thing. And so speaking to like the benefit, uh, Justin, to your question about for men who enter – seminary and then don't end up becoming priests. Um, one of those main benefits is that there's that shift in mindset of instead of it being uh, a fundamental attitude of that the world sort of conditions us with, a fundamental attitude of what can I uh, achieve or receive from this, it ins- instead our fundamental um, posture becomes one of how can I give of myself? No matter how long they're in seminary formation, they can be in seminary formation for four or five years. They can be in seminary formation for six months. It's pretty much impossible to leave a good seminary formation program and not have been formed some way in um, 
self-knowledge, self-possession, and then ultimately self-gift. So I think it really, um, especially in those first four years of college seminary, there's that real shift in mindset that could be very difficult um, towards uh, my, uh, what I want to do is I want to give of myself. And that's something that um, someone would get out of seminary for me. I'd say the word get out of, but that's something that uh, in a way in which they might grow in seminary formation would be um, that sort of fundamental posture is now different, at least on a very sort of basic level, I would think. Yeah, and that's a good note to, to end on. And I think we've touched on a very good, uh, a lot of great aspects of leadership. And we kind of come up to a very great, like, kind of outlook of what true leadership is. Like, true leadership is not amassing to oneself power out of pride, but of giving oneself out, giving of oneself for the purposes of love. And so, again, and and as this conversation, this discussion has been on leadership, we hope we have let we we hope that we have led you faithfully through this discussion by giving you insight into the intersection between leadership and seminary life and priestly formation. And we hope we have guided you and led you faithfully in this endeavor. Uh, we thank you for joining us here. And as always, my name is Justin Farr. I'm Father Gelstrap. Anthony Romeo. Christian Hamrick. And we thank you for joining us um, uh, for this episode of the, of the Nash Vocations Podcast. Thank you. God bless you. And have a nice day. This has been an adaptation of the Nash Vocations Podcast for Nashville Catholic Radio in conjunction with the Vocations Office of the Diocese of Nashville. Shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM and streaming at NashvilleCR.com. This show and Nashville Catholic Radio are made possible through the generous donations of our listeners and the Office of Faith Formation in the Diocese of Nashville. The Office of Faith Formation is a catalyst for the intellectual and spiritual formation of the people of the Diocese of Nashville. Assisting the pastors and parishes in their mission of catechesis, the Office aims to echo the teachings of Christ, form disciples, and equip people to evangelize the Word. To find out more about learning about our faith and our Catholic traditions, at any age, contact the Office of Faith Formation, the Diocese of Nashville. You can go to their website, dioceseofnashville.com formation, or call them at 615-783-0263, 615-783-0263.